Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, current and future PAs, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I hope you are all having a wonderful week, whether you are in school practicing to become a PA and you are studying, or if you are on rotations, or if you are a practicing PA already and are serving in one of the many specialties that PAs can be found. In this episode of the podcast, I would like to review some tax tips and tidbits for PAs. I first would like to review a disclaimer that these items that we are about to review today certainly are not all-inclusive, and I am not an accountant or financial advisor. I am simply a certified PA with a desire to share financial independence concepts with current and future PAs. This information in this episode is for educational and informational purposes only. You should definitely do your own research and consult with a professional if you have further questions. All right, so it is spring, and it is that time of year that people are often thinking about April 15th, otherwise known as Tax Day. Now, Tax Day is a day that many likely do not necessarily look forward to. However, the IRS recently announced that Tax Day was pushed back to May 17th, 2021 for 2020's taxes because of the COVID pandemic. It is a bit unclear at this time whether that date has been pushed back to May 17th as well for being able to still contribute to Roth IRAs and HSAs as well, because usually you can contribute up to tax day or April 15th into your Roth IRA and HSA accounts for the previous year, which is pretty cool. So we will talk a little bit more about Roth IRAs in a moment here, but in order to contribute to a Roth IRA, the money needs to be earned in the year 2020 to be able to contribute it up to tax day for 2021. I'm currently in the process of trying to ensure that I have enough funds to be able to max out my IRA for the year 2020. My husband and I do currently have a fair amount in our savings. And that money was earned in the year 2020, but I am also trying to go through and sell some things that I no longer use or want to be able to replace some of those funds so I can max out my Roth IRA. But as of now, but as of now, I'm shooting for April 15th as my goal date to be able to open up a Roth IRA and to max it out. But it is possible that the IRS may postpone it until May 17th, since that is when they postponed tax day for people. Part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because many newly graduated PAs will be surprised how much of their income actually goes towards paying taxes. 
and many experienced PAs still cannot believe how much of their income seems to vanish because of their taxes. So for some, it can seem as though the more income they earn, the more money seems to disappear towards taxes. So is it even worth it to try to earn more income? Or what can you do to try to reduce your overall tax burden? Now, some of these tax tips that we will review today would only pertain if you do decide to itemize your deductions versus taking the standard deduction. I do encourage you to review your taxes each year to decide which option between either itemizing or taking the standard deduction works out in your favor for that year. Now, I completely recognize that all of this tax stuff may be a little bit boring and dry, but it really is important for PAs to understand some of this information. At least I think so. So go ahead and grab a cup of a caffeinated beverage of your choice, find a comfy area to sit, and slowly digest this information. All right, so the first tip I would like to review is that you can deduct student loan interest but only up to something called a certain MAGI. MAGI stands for Modified Adjusted Gross Income. And I have heard some people call it Maggie or Maggie, but since I don't know how they pronounce the acronym, I'm just going to call it MAGI. So this little bit of information was actually presented to me right out of PA school by our, quote, financial advisor at the time. I do place quotes around financial advisor as he really was actually a life insurance salesman with the title of financial advisor with whom we eventually parted ways and we parted ways with him this past fall. So that was a little over six years after starting to work with him. But all of this certainly is a story for another time. After PA school, when I started earning an income, I was really gung-ho to trying to pay off my student loans. However, he suggested that instead of trying to pay off my student loans quickly, my husband and I instead purchase overly expensive and dare I say unnecessary whole life insurance, which could also be invested, although again, it's not an ideal investment. And he suggested this because I could deduct my student loan interest, which would help us with our taxes. However, he did fail to point out and granted We did not do our own research because we were young, naive, and frankly, financially illiterate at the time, that this is only true up to a certain MAGI. MAGI is defined as either an individual's or household's adjusted gross income with any tax-exempt interest income and certain deductions added back. MAGI is the basis for determining whether you qualify for certain tax deductions, and it is the sum of your adjusted gross income, or AGI, plus your tax-exempt interest income and specific deductions added back. For single filers, the income to qualify for this is less than $70,000, with a gradual phase-out up to $85,000. And for married filing jointly filers, the income to qualify for this benefit is less than $140,000, with a gradual phase-out up to $170,000. So once our joint MAGI surpassed $170,000, we no longer qualified to deduct our student loan interest. So we were able to for a few years, but then a few years later we were not able to once our incomes increased a bit. Now honestly, the income limits 
for both single and joint filers, which again are 85,000 and 170,000 respectively, are not that difficult to reach with APA income as one of the incomes. If you do qualify for this deduction, you can deduct up to $2,500 of the amount that you paid in student loan interest. I would like to say one note on this. If you currently do have federal student loan payments, there is currently a pause on these payments and the interest accrual due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So you may elect to actually hold off on making some of those federal student loan payments until this is no longer in the effect. Again, this is a personal decision, but a lot of people may choose to direct that money elsewhere. The next tax tip that I would like to review is that you can contribute to tax-deferred accounts to help you in the current tax year. So what does that mean? Well, when you contribute to different types of tax-deferred accounts, you will pay taxes in the future when you withdraw from those accounts. But contributing to them now during the current year allows you to save on your current tax year because it helps lower your total taxable income. Examples of these types of accounts include traditional 401ks, traditional 403bs, traditional 457bs, HSAs, and traditional IRAs. Therefore, contributing to a tax-deferred account benefits you by allowing you to invest, but also may help to lower how much you need to pay in taxes for that year. If you go to my website at pathefiway.com, You can read an article that I wrote about why HSAs are such great accounts because they are actually triple tax advantaged, meaning that you are not taxed on the money that you put into an HSA. If you invest the funds in the HSA, the growth of the HSA account is not taxable. And when you withdraw from the HSA for qualified medical expenses, then that is not taxed either. The next tip that I would like to review is you can contribute to tax-exempt accounts to help you in the future. So we just reviewed what tax-deferred accounts are, but when you contribute to tax-exempt accounts, you do pay taxes on them now, but you will never pay taxes again on them in the future. So over time, the funds in those types of accounts get invested And then when you withdraw from them, you never have to pay taxes on the withdrawals in the future. Examples of these types of tax-exempt accounts include Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs, and Roth 457bs. Now, reviewing whether to invest in tax-deferred accounts or tax-exempt accounts can take some time to review. But the general advice is to contribute to tax-exempt accounts on lower income years for you because then you are in a lower tax bracket and to contribute to tax-deferred accounts during your higher income years. Otherwise, you could try to contribute to both tax-deferred and tax-exempt accounts if you are able to afford to contribute to several different retirement types of accounts. That strategy would be ideal to have some of your investments in tax-deferred accounts and some in your tax-exempt accounts. So as you age and near retirement, which hopefully if you're listening to this podcast is probably earlier than the standard suggested age of 65, 
then you have options of how to withdraw your money and live off of. All right. And the next tax tip that I would like to review is you can give money or donate items to charity to help lower your taxes. Donating money to charities helps both you and them out. You not only help with financial assistance for the charity of your choice, but you also help save some on your taxes. Donating items to charities can also help others while helping you save on your taxes. So examples of donating items would be donating things to Goodwill, and then you can have a bit of a tax write-off. Another option, again, if you are able to afford it, and perhaps if you become more wealthy over the years, you could open something called a donor advised fund, which is a charitable investment account. Obviously, trying to save a buck on your taxes is not the ideal reason to donate to charities, but I just wanted to point out that there are some minimal tax benefits to doing so. Different types of charities that you can donate to are various organizations that need funding, donating offering at church, donating to schools. There's all sorts of options out there. The next tax tip that I would like to review is owning a home can help you lower your taxes. However, I first would like to start this by saying that the decision to purchase a home versus renting has many pros and cons on both sides, which I would like to review in the future. And you should not pursue home ownership only to lower your taxes. However, if the decision to own a home is what you have decided is best for you and your family in your current circumstances, then understand that there can be some tax benefits to this. You can deduct your mortgage interest as well as up to $10,000 of property taxes if you are married and filing jointly and up to $5,000 if you are single or married filing separately. The next item I would like to review is a suggestion that trying to aim for $0 owed and $0 in refund for your taxes is considered a good strategy. I used to look forward to receiving a tax refund because it seemed to almost be like a quote bonus, which I could use for a special treat that I had been wanting. However, if the government owes you money on your tax return, it can actually be viewed as though you've been lending the government an interest-free loan for the past year. A tax refund is not some special amount of money that the government owes you and is a surprise bonus for you. It is in fact your money that is owed back to you. So instead of hoping for a giant refund, instead try to tax plan so that you have access to your money throughout the year instead of the government having an interest-free loan. Now, as my husband and I have earned more over the years, the amount of taxes we have owed has been increasing as well. You also do not want to owe a giant amount of money to the government each tax season, so again, try to plan, adjust your tax withholding on your W-4, and max out your tax-deferred accounts once you are financially able to. And the final tax tip that I would like to review is that you should not try to avoid earning more to pay less in taxes. So it can be tempting to have this thought throughout your career as a PA. Should I even try to earn a higher income if I'm just going to have to pay more in taxes? Is it even worth it? 
Potentially having to pay more in taxes should not be a reason to try to avoid earning more income as overall earning more will help you out financially for many reasons. One informative tidbit about this matter is the following. As your income and tax bracket increases, only the earned amount above the threshold of the last tax bracket is taxed in that particular bracket. So what does this mean? Here's an example. If your income as a single PA is pretty nice in the year 2021 at 170000 or if your joint income with your spouse if you're married, filing jointly, is 340000 then in both of these examples, you are just above the income threshold for the 32% federal tax bracket, which would be at $164,926 for single filers or $329,851 for married filing jointly filers. However, in these examples, it does not mean that your entire taxable income is taxed at 32%. Instead, it means that only your taxable income above those thresholds that I just mentioned are taxed at 32%. So the rest of your income below those thresholds are taxed in each taxable income bracket. So for example, for a single filer, you are taxed at 10% of the taxable income from $0 up to $9,950. Then in the 12% tax bracket, you are taxed at 10% of the $9,950, so that is $995, plus 12% of the taxable income between $9,951 through $40,525, and then these taxable income brackets keep going in that way. I did write a blog post that is up on my website at pathefiway.com that has a chart in there for you to review with these taxable income brackets. So as you can see, as your income increases, you only pay a higher percentage of the taxes on the amount earned that is higher than each tax rate threshold, not the full amount of your earned income. This is something called a marginal tax rate. So we just reviewed several different tax tips and tidbits for physician assistants. We reviewed how it is possible that you could deduct some student loan interest, but this is only up to a certain MAGI. We reviewed that you likely should try to contribute to both tax-deferred accounts and tax-exempt accounts, as the tax-deferred accounts can help you in your current tax year, but if you contribute to tax-exempt accounts, you are never taxed on the growth again in the future. We reviewed how donating money or items to charity can help somewhat with your taxes, We reviewed how owning a home can help lower your taxes a bit, if that is the right strategy for you and your family. We reviewed that you should likely try not to pursue a big giant tax refund because it just has meant that you've been lending the government a interest-free loan for the past year. And we reviewed how you should not try to avoid earning more in order to pay less in taxes. I have heard of people refusing bonuses because they are afraid of having to pay more in taxes. This really is just silly. You should just try to earn more if you're able to, because then you can use those earnings for so many things to try to help you on your financial journey to reach financial independence. 
Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.